Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I have Zoe Erickson on with me. And Zoe is a yoga teacher and acupuncturist, and I have been taking classes from Zoe for, I don't know, probably four or five years would be my guess. And so I'm super excited to have her on and introduce everyone um, to Zoe. And she is local to the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. So if anyone is also local, I would definitely um, recommend checking out one of Zoe's classes. So Zoe, I'm going to kind of throw it over to you. And I want to know, um, you know, some rapid fire questions just to kind of get to know you. What age did you first discover yoga? I started practicing yoga when I was about 12 or 13. And how old are you now? I'm going to be 24 tomorrow. So Zoe has been practicing for a long time. And I mean, I started, you were a teenager when I started going to your classes. I mean, she is that amazing of a teacher. So that I think speaks a lot. Um, Yeah. So what is your favorite yoga pose? That is a good question. Um, I'd say that if I only have time to do one or two poses in the morning, it's got to be like just cat and cows and a supine twist. Um, but I also love pigeon. So probably those are my top three. And how did you get interested in acupuncture? My mom is actually the one who introduced me to acupuncture. I love that. And what about your favorite book? My favorite book is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Yes. I've read that one as well a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, I might've sold it though. I was selling books on eBay. So I might've sold that one, uh-huh. but I, I also enjoyed it. Yeah. So I want to know now a little bit more about you and your journey into the, you know, into the wellness community and how you got started with yoga in the first place at such a young age. Yeah. Um, so when I was really young, um, my parents got divorced and it kind of triggered a lot of anxiety and stress for me. I was going back and forth between two very different households and there was a lot of fighting and I started to develop stomach aches and we had no idea what was causing them. So my mom took me to a bunch of doctors and specialists and they couldn't really find anything wrong. And so my mom assumed that it was anxiety or stress. And so she took me to some uh, therapists and I did biofeedback and nothing was really helping too much. Um, And then when I was about 12 or 13, this yoga studio opened called Sai Yoga. That was just a couple blocks away from our house. And my mom started practicing yoga there and she thought that I would like it. So she brought me to a class and immediately I fell in love with it. Um, I felt super good after taking the classes. Um, But the main thing that I noticed was that when those stomach aches would start to come on, I started to be able to kind of slow down. And rather than getting worked up and worrying about if the stomach ache was going to get worse, I was able to just pay attention to how my body was feeling now and how my breath was flowing now and was able to, it was just, I was able to manage those stomach aches a whole lot more. And eventually they just kind of went away completely, which was absolutely amazing. So when did you decide like to go through a yoga teacher training? 
I, um, I started when I was 15. My mom was the one who recommended it to me. I was kind of like, oh, I feel like I'm too young to do that. Um, but she was like, you love it. You've been doing it for several years now and you're super passionate about it. So why not? And I, so I did it and I graduated when I was 16 and I started teaching when I was 17 and I'm so, so happy that I did. Wow. That's crazy. And how, what have you kind of learned through that journey, I guess, in the last few years of, you know, teaching yoga, like what has been the biggest evolution that you've seen personally? Um, really it started out as managing anxiety, but it was kind of, it was really after I read the power of now, which was probably four years ago or so that, um, kind of my, spiritual journey really started to begin and I started to actually understand why it was that yoga was having such a huge impact on how I felt um and it was really the 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 spiritual aspect of it and so um so that's kind of the most important thing for me Mm, I love it so one of the things that, um, you know, yoga, you know, kind of talks about is the koshas and I don't think we've had anyone share about them on the podcast. So in case someone's not familiar, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what, what are the koshas and then maybe a little bit about each of them? Yeah. So in yogic theory, there are, <clears throat> there, they're said to be sheaths. There's five sheaths or coverings of the soul. Um, and so the first sheath or layer of our, of our being is called the Anamaya Kosha, um, which translates to food sheath, and it's the physical body. And so it translates to food sheath because it is said to be made up of the food that we eat. Um, it's the only layer that um, returns to the earth after death, um, and it's just it's the physical body, basically. And then the second layer is the um, pranamaya kosha or the energy sheath. And um, this is your aura. Um, it, um, it contains the chakras and the meridians or nadis. Um, it's what's said to uh, reincarnate um, after death. And um, it's kind of the closest thing to our physical body. It's what gives us the sense of um, touch. <clears throat> and then the third sheath is um, is the um, manomaya kosha, um, and that is the mental sheath. And it's kind of like just our basic thinking. So it's kind of it's things like. Um, brushing your teeth or driving your car or stuff that we don't really have to think about too much. It's just like automatic thinking. And then the third sheath is called the Vigyanamaya Kosha, um, which is the intellect. It's kind of um, more like advanced thinking. It's our judgment. It's our thoughts and our beliefs and our choices and our doubts. And it's our ego. Um, And that is the layer that separates um, us from uh, unity consciousness or universal universal intelligence, and then the last sheath, the fifth sheath, is called the Ananda Mayakosha, which is the bliss sheath, and that is the home of our karma. Um, it's what determines um, our talents, our emotional makeup, our physical appearance. 
Um, and it's also responsible for the experience of joy, joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. And all those layers um, so essentially are the coverings of the light within or our true self, um, our spirit. So when we're talking about that, like if someone's listening, is there a way that you, um, you know, can work with them or how would people kind of get more in tap with those? Sure. So there's, so for all of the different koshas, there's kind of different ways that you can, um, experience them for each, um, for each one. Kind of the one that I wanted to talk about most, uh, today is the, is the prana maya kosha or the energy sheath. Um, and so that is the sheath that I said is responsible for, um, for touch, for sensation. And so kind of a way that we can um, experience this sheath is that if you were to close your eyes and if you were to hold up your hand and without moving it or touching anything, it's like, how do you know that your hand is there? How do you know that it, ex- that it exists? With your eyes closed, you can't see it. If you feel it, you can feel that there's kind of a subtle um, vibration or tingling, and that is what it, that is the the pranamaya kosha. That's the energy body. It's it's everything that we kind of feel um, is from that kosha. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I was just doing it as you were describing that, and I'm like, yeah, I can feel like just that that energy and that you know the tingling, and exactly. you just kind of know it's there. Yes. Yes. So if, you know, like I want to know a little bit more about like our light body and just different ways that we can strengthen it. Cause when you talk about that, like how, you know, a, what is it? So if someone's like, what is this light body they speak of? And then just different ways that we can actually improve upon it. Yeah. So the light body and the pranic body are really the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, um, pretty much all yogic practices and that's just not the that's not just the postures but that's the uh the pranayama or the breath work and all the meditation and mudras and mantra and all of those practices really purify the light body or the energy body um and it really um so it really comes down to awareness um so Kind of the main way that we can strengthen this light body, this energy body, is through awareness. Um, and so as we just kind of practice with our hand, when you closed your eyes and you brought your awareness to your hand, that's when you can start to feel that that tingling, that vibration, that pranic, um, that pranic sheath. and that the light of our awareness is actually extremely powerful. So I talked about those koshas, the the layerings of the soul, um, but the soul and awareness are really the same thing. Um, And so when we bring awareness or that light, that source energy to our body, we strengthen it and um, we make it easier to to have body awareness. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, when we're, you know, speaking about, you know, body awareness, one of the things and one of the themes of, you know, this month's podcast is all about listening to your body. And I want to know, you know, how we can, or what are some of your favorite ways to kind of tune in and listen to your body? Cause I know sometimes, you know, we hear that a lot and I have my ways that I kind of tune in, but what are some of the ways that you like to tune into your body and listen to it? 
yeah. So, um, obviously my path is yoga. <laughs> that's my, <laughs> that's my, uh, that's kind of my thing. Um, but there are lots of different ways that you can, um, that you can practice, um, tuning into your body. Some people like Tai Chi and Qigong and other, you know, mindfulness practices. Um, but what I really recommend is taking time out of your day to do that, whether that's 15 minutes or an hour. Um, but really like dedicating time, um, to, to, um, you know, do yoga or Tai Chi or whatever. And that, doing that is really going to rewire your brain so that you automatically have more body awareness throughout the day, kind of naturally without trying to. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, as far as like mindful movement, uh, what does that mean? And then how can someone maybe practice that? So I'd say when you're first getting into mindful movement, I think it's really helpful to slow down. Um, So as I said, Tai Chi, Qigong, those are great. Or like slower yoga, like a Hatha yoga practice might be good or a yin or restorative class might be good. Um, And as I said before, when you start to practice it, go to classes or do it at home, take that hour out of your day to do it, um, you can kind of make all of your movement throughout the day mindful movement. So it's not just doing yoga, but it could be um, brushing your teeth or washing the dishes or taking a shower or whatever. Um, You're mindful of how you feel and how you're moving in space as you're doing it. And it's, it's a lot about um, stepping into that witness consciousness or observer consciousness and, um, and just, and watching what you're doing as you're doing it. I like that. And I like the examples of like bringing it into your everyday, like washing the dishes, you know, like just being mindful. Cause I know I, cause we don't have a dishwasher. And so I wash a lot of dishes and, you know, like being able to like stand there and like, ah, be present with what I'm doing. Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, when you take the time out of your day, you, you find that you just kind of automatically start doing that more. Um, it's not hard. Mm. It's just something that you, your brain just automatically goes to. It just sinks into the present moment more. Yeah. And I, I want to know about like, you know, cause you are, you're 24 with social media, like, do you, and I know, well, I kind of know that you, you aren't, you aren't on it a ton, but a lot of people are. (laughs) Um, but I want to know a little bit about, you know, how you maybe set those boundaries for yourself, because I guess, you know, if you're thinking, I mean, even I, I'm like an older millennial, but like people are like, Oh, you're always on your phones. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you do such a good job of like setting those boundaries of, you know, not being on there. Um, you know, how, how did you develop those boundaries? To be honest, I literally just went on my phone and and made it made it so that you can't go, you know, there's like an app on, or not an app, like a setting on your phone where you can only, you know, you put a time limit on your screen time. Yeah. And that made a huge, huge difference. And if I'm getting the feedback from my phone that I've, you know, been on, you're like, oh, you've been on your phone for like two hours today, you're like, whoa, I've spent two hours today on my phone. And so um, having those settings in my phone was huge, huge Mm -hmm. for that. But I totally get the, um, you know, the, 
falling into the scrolling. Um, yeah. Totally get that. Yeah. I love that you put the time limit because I did that. Sometimes I just ignore it if I yeah. <laughs> ignore it. But I like that. Did you do that for like your whole phone or you went into different apps that you might be drawn into more? Or is it just like overall, you're like, holy moly, it's two hours. That's my limit for the day. And you're just done. Yeah. Well, the, my main thing that I would go on is Facebook. So I okay. put, so my, yeah, my Facebook and my Instagram, I, uh, I put, I think, I think I have an hour limit on there right now. And I, yeah, I try to, I try to stick to it when it says to get off. I try to get off. <laughs> I love it. But, yeah. I'm gonna have to do that. I, I'm gonna have to make mine shorter again because I haven't had that in a while. Like it hasn't, came up. And so that's when I know, and it's not because I'm spending less time on there. It's because I increased my <laughs> time limit. Oh, I'm yeah. going to go back in there and change it yeah. back to, I think I had it at an hour or two and I got to go back down to that hour. Yeah. Uh, so I want to know just because you've been, you know, doing yoga for so long, like what are some common misconceptions about yoga? Mm. So the kind of most common misconception is that yoga is for exercise. Mm. And yoga, you know, it can increase strength and flexibility and range of motion and balance and all of those things. But the way that I see it is that those benefits are kind of like a side effect of the practice. And you don't even actually need to do the postures to be practicing yoga. Mm. Uh, the postures are a tiny fraction of what yoga actually is. Um, yoga is really more of a meditation practice than anything else. And it's, and it's a, it's a path to spiritual enlightenment. Oh, I love that. And I, I will definitely attest that when I first came to it, I was like, oh, I just know how to work my flexibility. I'll go to yoga. And then I didn't really know any, you know, like the eight limbs, didn't know any of that until I, you know, went through the yoga teacher training. And I'm like, wow, like this is just like a whole new door that's opening. And I think a lot of us, you know, if you just go to yoga regularly, you, you don't necessarily get exposed to, you know, the full version of like actual true yoga. We're just more in the asana practices, um, which are the poses. And so that's something that I think, um, you know, it's hard cause it's, it's hard to kind of introduce that I think in a class because, and you know, I know this and you know, this from, you know, both of us teaching yoga is, mm-hmm. you know, people we're just so used to it in the West of like, here's what we do. Here's like the sequences you bring people through. And I know your classes aren't like this and you know, that's mine. I also got the idea from you as you lead every class, like by asking and checking in, what do you, what do you need today? And, you know, asking how people are and energy level and then body wise. And that's something that I, you know, try to do too, is that intuitive yoga practice of just, all right, what do we need? And maybe some days it's moving a little faster and maybe other days you're like, Oh, everyone's exhausted. Like, we're just going to hang out and do some yin postures, you know, and that's, that I think is where that beauty lies. But if you're coming to like one of these classes that we might teach, sometimes you're like, whoa, that's not what I expected. Um, I'd rather go the flowy, let's fast pace. You know, why would someone want to slow down and go to those slower pace classes? Well, like I said before, it's, uh, it's a really, really great way to practice mindfulness. And really, <clears throat> the way that I think of it as is those fast-paced classes are actually kind of a little bit easier um, mm-hmm. just because it's, 
pretty easy to um, focus on what you're doing when it's when you're going so fast um, but when you slow it down and you take a few breaths in the posture it really becomes more like meditation and I actually consider yin and restorative to be more advanced mm. because of that um, because it can it's just it's more difficult mentally yes yeah and um I think I shared that this story with you with um, Indu, who is local, I think, to the Minneapolis area as well. But she was telling us, and she's from India, and she said the practices there, your advanced classes, you know, she would be sitting in the front of the room and she would not say anything. The teacher, the student would come in, they would, you know, smile, acknowledge the teacher, and sit down, and then they would sit and meditate. And she would just hold the space there, you know, for you know an hour, hour and a half, however much time the class is for. And then, um, she might ring a bell and then that is, that signals it's time to leave. And she would never say anything. Like it was all just through and no one would, they would just look, acknowledge and be in their own practice. And, you know, maybe some would take some postures, but others, they are just sitting and meditating. And she said, that is the advanced practice in India, which I always think is just so fascinating. So when people are hearing maybe for the first time, they're like yin and restorative is more advanced. Like that's kind of the aspect and the, I guess the angle of yoga that we're kind of looking from that lens that we see it from. Yes, definitely. So if someone's listening and they're like, okay, like how do I find the right class for me then? Like there's, there are a lot of options and there may be a lot of, you know, um, you know, class names that are unfamiliar with people. How do you, you kind of direct people to the right class that may be best for them? Yeah. So yeah, there are a lot of different, um, different names of classes, <clears throat> One thing that I always like to clarify to people, because it can be kind of confusing, um, you'll see the word hatha yoga on class schedules all the time. Yeah. And so technically, hatha yoga just means any yoga practice that involves postures and breath. Um, and so that's pretty much to all of the ones. Wide open. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, if you were to go to a Hatha class, um, what that typically means is that you'll be holding the postures for mm, like five to 10 breaths or so. Uh, so Hatha yoga is, I would, I'd say it's a great place to start. Um, and if you were looking for, you know, more, even more on the meditative side, yin and restorative would also be great. So for yin and restorative, all of those postures are on, pretty much all of them would be on the floor, either laying down or seated. And you hold those postures for three to up to 10 minutes um, and meditate in them. So. Yes. I love that. And that's my favorites are yin and restorative. Oh, Me too. <laughs> just love that. Just getting to relax. And I think sometimes that finding that balance. And so if you are that go, go, go person, um, like that's, the first time I took a yin, I was like, what is this? I hated it. <laughs> and so if you are that person who is like, what these two ladies told me to go to this, this is horrible because yeah. usually the teacher might, this probably going to leave you in silence. And so you're sitting there with your thoughts. And if you are a go, go, go person, we tend to have go, go, go thoughts. Yep. <laughs> and so we're just like, whoa, so much stuff is coming up. I have to do this. And you're like, I don't have time for this. I just sit here. Yep. And so that's what happened to me in the very first class and probably the second and the third. But I slowly started being able to, like my body was like, okay, we're just supposed to sit, relax. And then I, you know, would count my breath because a few, you know, trying different instructors, they give you different things. And I was like, oh, okay, 
I can, you know, connect with my breath, count my inhales and exhales. And then you can just slowly start to ease yourself into the practice. And I think that is, um, you know, if someone's listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I hated it. Like try it again. Like I've done that many times with different classes. Um, I took an Ashtanga class, um, unbeknownst to me. And I was like, oh, I hated it the first time. By the end of the class, I was like, okay, I kind of liked it. But that's my class where that's kind of, it's more along with my, the, you know, my fitness and my, what I'm already doing, like, you know, with my own training at the gym. And I didn't see it as my relaxing yoga. So if I went to that, I knew I had to go to, um, you know, one of your classes, usually on the weekend to kind of balance that out. Otherwise it was just too much push and too much go, go, go. And not enough like, Hey, let me just check in with myself. And is this still serving me? So that's kind of how it might look like in a more balanced approach, I would say. Yeah. And what I get a lot or what I've heard people say is like, well, why wouldn't I just lay on the couch and watch TV if I'm going to, you know, if I'm just going to be laying here Mm. and that goes back to the mindfulness. The reason that, uh, that we do that restorative yoga where, you know, physically you're just lying there. Um, but you, but it's conscious rest and Mm. conscious rest is, is extremely healing. Whereas, you know, binge watching TV, just laying on the couch is not conscious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it does not have that healing uh, aspect. Yes. Yeah. That makes total sense. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so I want to kind of now do a quick little body scan. And, um, if you could lead us through a little body scan. So if people are listening, um, you know, if you're driving, maybe come back to this part. Um, otherwise, you know, just kind of settle in and let Zoe kind of take you through a little body scan. So you can just close your eyes and take a minute to get comfy. And just start by bringing your awareness onto your breath. And so you don't have to change it or manipulate it at all. Just notice how it's moving. And then start to move the awareness off of the breath and onto your feet. Notice the heels, the soles of the feet. Notice the toes and the tops of the feet. Let your awareness move up into the ankles and up into the lower legs. Notice the calves, notice your shins. Let your awareness move through your knee joints and up into your thighs. And notice sensation in the thighs. And let your awareness move now up into the hips. Notice the right hip and the left hip. Notice both hips together. Move your attention into your belly and your low back. You might notice um, movement, sensation in the belly, sensation in the low back. Move your awareness up and into the chest, noticing the rib cage, the gentle movement in the chest, the upper chest, the shoulder blades. Move your awareness into your shoulders. 
Notice your upper arms. Move your awareness through the elbows and down into your forearms. Become aware of your wrists, your hands. Notice your fingers and thumbs. Move your awareness up into the neck and throat. An awareness into the face, noticing the forehead, the eyes, the cheeks, the nose. Notice the lips. Notice the inside of your mouth. Notice the lower jaw, your scalp, your whole head and face. And then bring your awareness into your whole body at once. Just feel your body as a whole. You might notice vibration or tingling as your awareness is in your body. You might just sit with this awareness for another moment or so. Before bringing your awareness back to the breath, perhaps taking a couple deeper breaths before blinking the eyes back open. Mm, I was doing it as you were going through. I'm like, yeah. <sighs> I was telling her before I'm like fighting off a cold. So I was like, oh, that was great. Now I just want to go yeah. take a nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's really, really relaxing. And you don't even have to. Um, so if you were to do that body scan on your own, it's not even about, um, you know, doing anything when, when you're bringing your awareness there. You don't have to relax it. You don't have to visualize anything if you don't want to. Just bringing your attention there, um, you'll notice an effect right away. Oh yeah. And I was noticing like with fighting off the cold, I was like, oh, just the mucus drainage. And I'm like, when I got to the throat, I was like, oh man. Yeah. All of that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Zoe. And if someone's like, okay, I want, I want more of that. Where can people connect with you and like find you in person too? Yeah. So I, um, I have an acupuncture and yoga studio on 50th in France in Edina. It's called Ananda Natural Medicine. So um, I do acupuncture here and I hold um, classes and workshops here. Um, you can visit anandanaturalmedicine.com to see my full schedule. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Ananda Natural Medicine. And then I also teach at the Yoga Center Retreat in St. Louis Park, and I teach at Lifetime in Bloomington. Perfect. All right. So I just have one final question for you, Zoe. And um, I always like to give the listeners a weekly challenge. And when I have guests on, I have you throw out a little weekly challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be? I'd say the body scan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can really do it at any point throughout the day at any time. Um, but I might recommend either when you wake up in the morning or right before you go to bed at night. And I definitely recommend making it, um, the same time every day. So you can choose whatever works for you, but do your best to be consistent at making it the same time. So you can start to get into that routine. 
Oh, perfect. I love that. Uh, well, thank you so much, Zoe. It's been such a pleasure having you on and getting to chat with you. I'm excited that we made it work. I've been wanting to have you on. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.